Welcome to Road Noise. Buckle up as we explore God's faithfulness, reflecting on 50 years of full-time ministry. We're taking lessons from the unique life and ministry of Sheldon and Victoria Rhodes as they share the gospel crisscrossing North America. I'm your host, Kedron Rhodes, and each episode, I sit down with my dad, Sheldon, and we travel back in time, retracing the lessons God was teaching and mapping them to life today. This scenery may have changed, but God's faithfulness remains the same. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Road Noise. Well, put in drive. Let's go. All right. Well, hey, welcome back to another episode of Road Noise. I'm glad you're here hanging out with dad and I as we continue this journey. Uh, and if you're jumping in with us right now, we're on our way back from Alaska to Michigan. Actually, it's not we. I'm already there. Mom and my sister and I, we're back in in the lower 48. And dad and my uncle, uh, Uncle Dan, are on their way down the Alaskan Highway and uh, have had a few hiccups already with the vehicle and are catching some shut-eye and hopefully get things squared away in the, as they continue down the uh, the rest of this trek in the middle of winter. So <laughs> there would that get us about where we're, where we left off dad. Yeah. That's where we're at. First week of January. Yeah. Headed yeah. down the Alaska highway. Yeah. But um, kind of a sad note or not a sad note, a side note there. That's the word I was looking for <laughs> a side note. Um, if uh, you've been uh, following along, you notice that it was, I don't know, just a few podcasts back that um, God blessed us with uh, another baby, and that was Kedron. And here we are uh, recording this on Kedron's birthday. So talk about dedication <laughs> to, the, to the task. So right uh, happy birthday, son. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, here we are in Whitehorse, Alaska. Had some problems, uh, you know, getting there. And the fact that uh, the van that we're driving would stop but if you let it rest for a while, it would start back up. And anyway, so we made it to Whitehorse. Um, got Dan checked into the YMCA. So he's spending the night there and I'm spending the night there in the front seat of the of the van. I've got this um, Coleman, yeah, Coleman heater that uh, is sitting on the council in between the, the passenger seat and, and the driver's seat. And that thing is uh, burning and putting off lots of heat but it's also putting out lots of fumes. And so I'd crack <laughs> the... Yeah, remind us again how cold it is. <laughs> I mean, most people are not going to be able to relate to how cold this is. Well, yeah. Um, the high for the day in Whitehorse had warmed up to a minus 30. So 30 yeah. below zero <laughs> is the high. And yeah. here we are um, now officially going into night, even though it's uh, dark all the time anyway. But uh, nevertheless... It's going to be another cold, cold night. Yep. And it's nothing but that little heater to keep me warm and alive. But uh, my concern is um, it might keep me warm, but it might kill me with the fumes. <laughs> Asphyxia, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I opened up the window on the passenger side, uh, you know, about an inch or so from the top and also from the, on the driver's side, figured, you know, get some cross ventilation in there and. Um, maybe that'll be enough to <laughs> give me enough oxygen and not enough <laughs> this other stuff. But anyway, so I did not sleep very well. Um, I tried to 
keep waking up often to make sure I was still alive. And <laughs> and at the crack of day, okay, so uh, it wasn't daylight. <laughs> it's not going to get daylight. Right. But as soon as um, um, I knew that, okay, um, there ought to be something open. And the Lord must have had a, a good plan because this was a, a Ford van. And I had um, found a place to park within walking distance of the Ford garage. Hmm. And so I'm guessing what is must have been eight o'clock in the morning. I figured, all right, they're, they'll be open by now. So I'm going to walk back to that uh, Ford garage and, and talk to them, see, then figure out what the problem is. And hopefully it's something I can fix, but I don't know. Anyway, so um, shut the heater off. Didn't want to leave that thing going while I was walking. Afraid it might catch on fire or something. I don't know. But anyway, so I, I walk back to that uh, Ford garage and you get the, um, the maintenance um, guy. Now, he's not really the me mechanic, but you know, he's the one in charge of setting appointments and everything. And I talked yep. with him, told him what was going on and asked him if it'd be possible to talk to one of the mechanics. And so he went in the back and uh, found a guy and he came out. I explained to him what had gone on the night before. And he thought about it for just a little bit. And he says, sounds to me like um, the the points and condenser need to be replaced. I said, well, I could do that. So he um, um, walked over to the parts department there with me and told him, you know, need um, points and condenser for whatever model uh, Ford van that was. And fortunately for me, they accepted credit cards. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, your yeah. $50 is already stretching, going thin with uh, stay at the YMCA. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so uh, so I was able to get the, what was it, the points in the condenser and walk back. And I was carrying some tools with me. And I really don't consider myself a mechanic, but I had changed points and condensers in vehicles in the past. And for those of you that are listening to this that don't know what points and condensers are, you'll have to Google it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> those are things that um, I don't believe are even in modern vehicles these days. Right. It's all electronic ignition and so forth. But uh, back in the day, um, anyway, so here I am, I had to move things around and so I could get the cowling off that's in between the seats of that van and so mm -hmm. forth. Uh, and to work on it, I've got to take my gloves off. And so here I am in really, really sub-zero weather, <laughs> trying to put points and condensers in without any gloves on. And of mm. course, the engines have been sitting there all night and it's bitter cold. But um, I'd work for a little bit, put the gloves back on, stick my hands underneath my armpits and try to get them warm again enough to yep. you know, continue the job. Finally got everything back together. And now comes the real test. Will it even start? Mm -hmm. And it did start, um, which I wasn't real surprised about that. But um, the other thing you have to be concerned about in really cold weather like that is the transmission. The oil in the transmission will get so thick that when you put it in gear, you don't go anywhere mm -hmm. because <laughs> it's, it's just sludge. Yeah. And so at that point, I mean, if you live there, most people own them. But if you don't own one, you have to call somebody that has a torch on a long handle rod type thing that they put underneath uh, your vehicle and 
heat the transmission up in the rear end so that that oil is thick or thin enough that when you put it in gear, <laughs> it can actually move. But I went ahead and took my chance and put it in gear and um, it was moving. And so I'm thinking, all right, I still don't know if it's going to stay running, but at least it's it's got new points and new condenser. And so I'll go back to the uh, YMCA and pick Dan up and we'll head on down the road. Another little side note, um, that night when we're sitting along the side of the road, it was really kind of cool in the fact that um, it's really quiet and it's really dark. Right. And we had a, a CB radio and had that on, you know, just kind of hoping maybe we there might be a trucker or somebody coming up the highway we could um, talk to or something. And that CB radio was picking up bounce and we were listening to somebody in the lower 48. Hmm. I, if I remember correct, they were in the Seattle area. Sure. And, you know, crystal clear atmosphere. And that CB radio signal bouncing off, <laughs> off of things, you know, and reaching us. So we were able to listen to a little bit of that. But um, if we turned that off and just listened, you could hear coyotes way hmm. off in the distance. Sure. Which is kind of a an eerie thing, but it's kind of an Alaska thing. Or in this case, uh, yeah. you know, we're in Yukon territory, I guess. Uh, so probably wolves. Horse. Yeah. Is that what I said? Wolves? Coyotes, but yeah, wolves. Yeah. Yeah, yeah wolves, Salon, not coyotes. But anyway, so um, nevertheless, I picked Ann up and we hit the road and and it's still cold and still dark, but we're making good time and we're headed south on the highway and it did not quit. It kept running. Right. And so it's like, okay. Um, I said, not much of a mechanic, but maybe enough to took care of this problem and we kept on rolling. Well, um, we get down to a point where there's um, some natural hot springs. And basically this is the next night. And like I said, it really hasn't got daylight much during the day, but uh, it is late at night. You know, Dan and I are just trading off. I'd drive for a while and then he would drive for a while. And we just kept switching off and one would try to sleep while the other one's driving because we're just going to drive it right straight through. I mean, there's no really other place to stop. And we're on a mission. We got to get off this frozen highway back to civilization. But anyway, yep. so it's um, nighttime when we get to Laird Hot Springs. And you can look that up on a map. Um, forget what mile marker it is, but uh, anyone that drives the Alaska Highway We'll see signs for Laird Hot Springs, both uh, heading north or going south. It's um, it, it's a very popular place. And if you are ever on the Alaska Highway, that's a must place where you have to stop. Yep, yep. And, of course, Dan has never been on the highway before. And so I'm thinking he's got to see this. Right. And, and by now you've been on it a half a dozen times at least. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and we've... You, know, you have to park in the parking lot area and then walk back in. Um, they've got trails and and so forth that actually take you back into the hot springs themselves. But um, we pull in the parking lot and, I mean, this is not tourist season. <laughs> and anybody that's driving the Alaska Highway this time of year is probably only going to be truckers and so forth. I mean, these yep. are people that... You know, they're there because of work. <laughs> They're not there just to sightsee. So there's nobody there. 
And like I said, it's middle of the night anyway. Uh, might even been the wee hours of the morning, but absolutely nobody there. But Dan still needs to see the hot springs. And so, uh, you know, I've described, you know, what they are. I mean, these are springs coming right up out of the ground. I mean, the water temperature never changes. It is always, I forget what it is, but it's like hot. It's like a hot tub. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, year round. And so Dan's like, can you swim in it? And I said, oh, yeah. Yeah, People swim in it all the time. And he's like, well, let's go swimming. I said, Dan, it's 30 below zero. Well, the water's not froze, is it? No, it's still going to be fine. And oh, by the way, Dan, did did you pack a swimsuit? I didn't mean you came to Alaska, you know, and for the first January. Yeah, in January, you bring a swimsuit. Of course, he hadn't. But um, uh, you know, uh, your Uncle Dan, the lack of a swimsuit certainly not going to stop him from going swimming. (laughs) (laughs) Where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah, in the middle of the night out here where there's nobody else. So, I had kept a, a couple of blankets and so forth, uh, uh, you know, kind of as emergency stuff. And sure. I had blanket around me that night, uh, you know, along with that uh, Coleman heater and so forth. We didn't have any bath towels, but um, had blankets. There you go. <laughs> so uh, um, if I remember correct, we only grabbed one blanket because I'm thinking I've been in these hot springs before. I know what it's like. I mean, it's like a sauna or like a hot tub. I mean, it's really nice, but I don't need to go in when it's 30 below zero. Right. And so we take a a blanket and we take the trail back in there. And it's, of course, it's all covered with uh, snow, but uh, you can still follow the trail real easy. And in fact, uh, when we've gone in there before in the summertime, we've seen moose along that trail and bear. Sure. Yeah. But, uh, course this time of year the bear is going to be hibernating and um the moose are probably probably found uh grazing spots where they can get to something to eat a lot easier but anyway we go back in there and and dan heads in i mean he's in there nothing but his neck sticking out and he is splashing Mm -hmm. around and just having a great time and just doing everything he can to irritate me I mean, come on in the water, Sheldon. You know, water's fine. <laughs> and I'm like, yep. yeah, Dan, I know the water's fine. But sooner or later, you're going to have to get out of the water. <laughs> he said, well, it's cold where, where you're at. Not. <laughs> yeah. He says, it's cold where you're at, but it's nice and warm where I'm at. <laughs> well, just go ahead and enjoy it, but uh, I'll wait for you. Anyway, so um, after quite some time, uh, Dan did get out, and uh, I, I quickly uh, made sure he had that um, blanket <laughs> dry off, and, right, and uh, so forth before the, he turned into an icicle. Anyway, so that was a a good experience for Dan, and uh, I guess for me too. You know, so we made our way back out of there and uh, got back in the van and uh, kept on headed heading south. But it wasn't too long after that. Um, I mean, probably within a hundred miles south of there that, um, the engine is still running fine, but, um, we're getting no heat. Hmm. The blower for the heater is not blowing anything. It's not blowing cold air. It's not blowing hot air. It's blowing nothing. And now what are we going to do? Well, there's no place to stop and have anyone look at it. And, you know, if the motor is burned up, where in the world would you ever find one? out here i mean (laughs) right so it's kind of like okay so it's going to get cold that's all it was just going to get cold but we're going to keep driving we don't have really any option 
And so we did. But you've got two warm bodies inside this vehicle, and the outside temperature is like really cold, which means the windshield is really cold, and these two warm bodies are breathing hot air out. Hot, wet air. <laughs> hot, wet air. And we had frost on the inside of the windshield to the point where we could not see to drive. Yep. Yep. And so it's okay. <laughs> you got to be able to keep it between the ditches. I mean, <laughs> so we did have an ice scraper. And so uh, that ice scraper came in handy. Um, if I'm driving, Dan would scrape the windshield. You know, he would scrape his side and he would scrape my side and try to keep things clear enough that I could see. And when we switched drivers, then it was my turn to scrape, which meant that neither one of us got a whole lot of sleep because mm -hmm. someone got to, has to keep scraping and <laughs> driving. So um, here we are going down the Alaska Highway, um, bitter cold, and we can't see unless we're scraping the window on the inside. Well, the short version of that story is uh, we never did get heat. And we had to continue to do that basically all the way back to Michigan. Um, mm. As we got further south and the temperatures weren't near as cold, it didn't frost up as much inside, but we couldn't run a defroster or anything uh, because the blower wouldn't blow anything. So it was a matter of uh, just keep scraping the windshield. And um, of course, when you think about that, the moisture that you scrape off the windshield is just falling down on the dash. and. <laughs> You got the engine there, and <laughs> so I'm guessing we're putting more moisture back in the air um, through a couple of different sources there. Yep, yep. So kind of an ugly uh, situation, but nevertheless, uh, we're moving. We're headed towards the States, the lower 48 here, and uh, we get to the to the border, and we figure, all right, we're going to um, cross over in North Dakota and uh, get back, back in the States anyway, basically as as soon as we can. And mm -hmm. um, anyway, so we get to the North Dakota border and have to go through, what is, what do you call those things? Border security people? Yeah, the yeah, customs, yep. Customs, yeah. You know, declare everything. All right. Mm -hmm. Check, you know, you still have the, the tag on the gun case that, <laughs> yep. that they put on at the other end and so forth. And anyway, so no problem getting uh, back, th back into the States and so forth, clearing customs. So our first thing is um, we need to stop and call your mom and let her know that, hey, we survived the Alaska Highway. We're back in the States. Uh, yeah, we're in North Dakota, but um, we'll just keep on driving, switching off, and we'll see you soon. Well, right before I left Alaska, we'd listed the house, the wooden tent, with a realtor, mm -hmm. and um, he had called. And said um, some people were interested in it, and they had uh, written a check, earnest money, and uh, he had a check for $500. And as soon as they got their financing and all uh, cleared and straightened around, that they'd be um, closing on the house, and we'd get our money. And even if the financing and so forth didn't go through, if it wasn't anything on on our part, but if they backed out, we would still get the $500. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, okay, so this is kind of a win-win deal because I'm putting everything on the credit card, right? Right. But when I get back to Michigan, I'll either have the house sold or I'll have their $500. I mean, either way, um, 
I'm going to be able to put some serious damage on the credit card bill that I've just been racking up. Yep. So I'm pretty excited about that until I called your mom and told her, you know, where we're at and so forth. And she said, oh, by the way, I got a call from the realtor. The people came in to um, sign the papers to buy the house, husband and wife. And the story that she was told that she's now relaying on to me is that um, the couple sat down across from the desk of the realtor. He had um, the papers in a, a folder along with their check from when they'd been in before. And he takes the folder out, opens it up to get the papers out for them to sign. And when he did, the husband reaches across the desk, grabs the check and tears it up and walks out, <laughs> leaving the wife in total shock because she thought they were there to sign the papers to buy the wooden tent. And so the realtor is like, uh, you know, I hate to tell you this, but uh, the house isn't sold. And um, <laughs> they tore up the check. Yep. What else could possibly go wrong? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. You're not there to to verify any of that. That's no. You're not there to do anything about it if, 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 if you were. Yeah. When you're that far away, there's really nothing you can do. You just have to accept the fact that it is what it is and rely on what you know that God is still in control. Yep. Yeah. Um, things certainly aren't looking good and it's not looking the way that we had thought it was going to look, but there's not a thing we can do about it. And God is still in control. So I think we ought to just uh, hang up the phone and put this thing in park. And we'll pick up the story next time as we head from North Dakota back to Michigan. Oh, yeah. There's more story to tell. <laughs> in, in that home stretch. Well, this is, as you were telling, just kind of wrapping that story up and just reminding us that that God is in control. Um it kind of just jumps out at me that that uh, faith is that we 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 make deposits or we build our faith day in and day out, and quite often we don't really know what our faith looks like until it's really tested. And in those in those moments, what a gift it is or a blessing to be able to look look on those trying times and and still be able to say God is in control. You've made that you made that investment in those decisions day after day, even when it was not trying. But when it's when it's time and the pressure's on. That's what, that's really when it counts. Amen. That's when your faith really begins to shine. Well, I'm anxious to hear how the rest of this uh, journey wraps up. We'll uh, save that for, for next week. Well, until then, we'll, we'll, we'll park it here. Hey, this is Grandpa Wisely. You know... No response is a response, and it's a powerful one. Remember that. <laughs>